you need to move yourself away from, from any kind of tool dependence at all and you know, minimize it. So if you can say like, if it might be true that you need a writing utensil of some form and something to write on. Of some I mean, you got blood. So yeah. Like, yeah exactly. <laughs> all you need is something sharp. <laughs> something sharp. And a wall. Or, well, you got then, teeth. You got you teeth. Just, yeah, you're fine. Go for it. <laughs> you have blood in the wall. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 93 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the Gaines programmer. <laughs> oh, I'm Adam and I don't type with Dvorak. I'm Sam and I use a mouse to do art. <laughs> and today is April 11th, 2017. Today we celebrate Perlin Noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also we have a warning before we get started, anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. We're going to talk about stuff. If you're a child uh, or if you just don't like hearing about things, then stop listening and go away. Mm -hmm. All right. So first up, we got news for this week. We got a bunch of tidbits and riffraff going on. So first off, jam games. We got them. We made them. You won them. And then we forgot about them and left them in Dropbox for years. Yeah. Lost some of them probably We lost a whole bunch of them. Okay. Uh, So we just realized... We have all these jam games lying around. Yeah. Maybe we should let people actually play them. Well, there's an interesting thing here, which is that, you know, as as you're producing games or if you're writing, really, if you're doing anything, you sort of produce these byproducts from, you know, prototypes, prototypes. sketches, garbage. And people are interested in those. But it's not the sort of thing that you want to necessarily spend a lot of time, you know, putting together. Well, they're not dealing with. polished. They're not products. Yeah. yeah it's they're, not just me- little- they're not meant for consumption. Yeah. You know, they're- it's kind of just like fun, fun behind the scenes stuff. Um, so we finally were, I can't remember exactly why, but we were looking at our jams and prototypes folder and it's just, it's just full of stuff. Yeah. And we've always had requests for the jam games we produce for people to actually be able to play them. We're always just like, find- nah. <laughs> yeah. So finally we were like, okay, you know, we have enough. I guess we'll put them well, up. There's, there's a problem of distribution and maintenance. Yep. Right. Cause you know, if we want to put them up on Google play or, or mm-hmm. iTunes or something like that, every time an iTunes update comes out, well shit, now we got to go and patch like 30 jam games, which no will not you. make any money ever. Yeah. And we're not, we don't plan on selling them. We don't want to sell them. We don't want to put ads in them. We don't want to put IAP in them. We just made them for fun not or whatever. Yeah. They're not products. Yeah. And so, so the question was always, well, how do we get these out into the world mm-hmm. without also creating a whole shitload of work for ourselves? And now we have the answer. Itch.io. Yeah. So uh, sometime soon, in the next week or two, we'll be launching, uh, or I guess kind of relaunching our itch page, uh, which will just be hosting all of our jam games from here on out. So far, um, we, have, we have two jam games on it. Betty the Eddie's the up there. the most recent two jams. Yeah, Betty the Eddie and Do You Even Lift, I think, are up there. Yes. Uh, our birding game, which we have talked about, but haven't shown anyone from Global Game Jam, will be inside of our next game. So you don't get to play that one. Yeah. But all the rest of them, including Goopademic, uh, Shucks, I sma- I crashed my spaceship and now I have to blow up heads until I find all my space parts and can leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a classic. Is I Can't See Shit I in Can't there? See Shit is that's in there, which one. is a blind platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these games were either built in sub, uh, spans of either eight hours, uh, 10 hours, or 48 hours. So and most of them, we never released published or playable versions anywhere. Correct. So we like we made YouTube videos of them. Uh, which you can see some of these on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but uh, that's it. So if you're a fan of the stuff we do, um, but you've always kind of been been wanting to see a few of the maybe the more ugly projects that we put together, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important. To yeah, know, you've seen our good stuff. You've seen our good stuff. Now check out uh, our shitty. Check out stuff. our bad side. <laughs> how are we? Wait, how are we branding this? Because we wouldn't want to mix if we ever decide to release something 
professional on itch, we wouldn't probably want to mix that with all of our. We would never release types. something professional on itch. Yeah, Fair. Yeah. The yeah. answer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so itch is, itch is the home of all of our prototypes and jams. And soon, hopefully next week, you'll be able to see all those up there, pull them all down and uh, get quite a bit of playtime actually between I think like 12. How many are on there? There's going to be a good number. It's an unreal yeah. number. And it goes all so, the way back to Chauncey the Rabbit, which we're yeah, putting right. back up. And that piece of shit, we got to get Towel available. Fight of the Gods on there too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was actually made before Butterscotch Shenanigans existed. Yeah. Like, like six months, actually. Yeah. Do we yeah. still have that? Oh, yeah. still, There's still okay. a download link on the original. Site. It's actually, that was the first game that Sam and I made as a two-person team yeah. just ever. It is the origins of the Butterscotch. It is. And it's also the prequel to Tile Fight 2, The Monocle of Destiny. It's so. got a lot of lore tidbits in there. Pete's I think, in there. I think the most remarkable thing about these games is just seeing the game by game. So I went back through, and so Sam did all the descriptions for all the games. Then I went back through and I also added to the description when they were made. Oh, yeah. So you can kind of see. Can they be listed in order of when they were probably made? Probably if we put a date in the title or something. Yeah, because like that, that would be kind of weird. But yeah, sure. Um, but it already is weird because it's a bunch it of already is, It's right? a bunch of garbage. It yeah. might actually make a lot of sense to kind of a fun sort of history. Do by, yeah, do it by date. Yeah, because seeing <laughs> the game's chronologic, you know, you'll see something like Chauncey the Rabbit and you're like, what the fuck? Like this. This isn't a butterscotch game because like it doesn't quite look like one, uh-huh. and it like it doesn't feel very good to play it. And it sucks. You can see like it's got vibrant colors and stuff, um, but it just most of it just like we had sloth cycling up there. It will be probably. Yeah, yeah. We gotta. We I think we have to rebuild it, don't we? We're like. Yeah, we, we got build a new. We, we got a few. We got a few things. We may we may have to do like sort of a weekend jam game game jam jam date where jam we just date. we jam. just get everything put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that's it's gonna be super exciting. Well, I think the reason it's so exciting is you you so you very very rarely actually get to see the trajectory of yeah. either a studio or a particular artist you like or a band. Like you, I mean, how many bands have released you know after being super popular for a long time? Say. Oh yeah, come listen to our old shitty songs that we wrote before <laughs> yeah. anybody but knew. Of course, also who would want to? Yeah, like, normally, right? But I think but it's, that's, it's that's just the, I think if you're yeah. a fan, you just want to you just want to hear it just like once, right? Just yeah. be like, oh, this is what they used it's to. Understand understand also where, they, uh, where it comes if from. If you have aspirations, right? Yeah. Then that that I think is a great thing because it levels it levels the the idea of of how you get to a particular place down to saying, okay, clearly it just takes. A good amount of work time. over a long period of time, and you make garbage in the beginning. And it also provides some benchmarks, right? Because yeah. you, you can you can then kind of see the work that you're doing and compare that on the on some public trajectory and ask kind of where do I where do I fall in here? Right. How long did it take to get to the next phase? And like, am I am I putting in the work required? Because the reason that we got we started with shit and now can make some decent stuff is time is because we've spent enormous amounts of time mm-hmm. on it. Right. Which means that somebody else can go do this. Well, time and thought it was careful. Yeah. time, Not just time. Yeah. Careful you time. don't just, you don't just spend time on it. Uh, yeah. but, but that you means just that, like wave your hand around on a canvas for 15,000 hours. <laughs> right, right. Suddenly you're an artist. Right. You got to think about it. Exactly. You got you to step back and think. And so that means that, that we've basically provided, you know, not, not necessarily the best or the worst or whatever. We've just provided a benchmark for how we provide probably the, me- the medium is Per, perhaps who knows nobody <laughs> else has done it as far as yeah. right so i think it's fun but yeah so those, yeah. those will be up uh, next week or so and then we'll, we'll probably do a blog a blurg post we'll, we'll now something mm-hmm. something yeah and also speaking of overhauling various pages yeah uh, we're also gonna be overhauling our youtube mm. channel we got some serious brand management yeah, we realized uh, what's going on with our YouTube channel. We don't know. We don't even know. Well, just in, yeah, just in general, our our all of our stuff is this kind of 
random collection of things that we thought were interesting, right? So like the, the blog is mostly just posts about our podcast, right? But then in the past was a our podcast is mostly of, about the blog. Yeah, right. It was like yeah. a smattering of like <laughs> of marketing materials and and uh, critiques of the industry stuff. When it was just like it was just random, interesting stuff. There was no sort of coherent mm-hmm. theme. And our YouTube channel is the worst. I guess historically, we do basically we put we have stuff, developer. There's chats. just random stuff up there, and some of it is a very low quality. Some of it is actually okay, you know. And we have our trailers. We got our trailers up there, and so it's just a random mix of stuff. And so we were like, we should probably make things coherent. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing that. Um, we'll have more information about that. But I think the important thing is we also realized that our our podcast kind of suffers from discoverability problems. Mm-hmm. It's available on, you know, iTunes and Stitcher. Well, and everywhere quality podcasts. Everywhere you can find <laughs> podcasts, but that means you got to be looking for podcasts. a podcast to find yep. it. And so- uh, And you have to be looking for ours specifically because podcasts have- completely useless search function. There's like yeah. no way to find right. a podcast on accident. It has to either be featured or somebody has to tell you about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Featured on a specific popular podcast app or something yep. like that. So we realized if we want people to, to sort of accidentally find the podcast, how do we do? Mm. The answer is YouTube. Mm-hmm. Put videos up with the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so Adam and I spent some time and Sam joined in as well. We spent some time this weekend doing a pod jam mm-hmm. where uh, we took our painting that was our, you know, it's our, on our podcast, podcast box art, our podcast box art. And, uh, I broke it apart into layers and then did sort of like a 3d. It feels like a diorama. Now. Yep. And then mm-hmm. Sam, Sam did some inkscape work of sort of adding extra lighting and re he redid the background so we could break it apart even more. Um, and then, so we just had this kind of, kind of cool slow motion moving image of our podcast box art with an actual like fire with smoke coming off and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks real cool. It's it looks real chill. cool. Mm-hmm. It's very chill. Uh, and then so we, we turned that into a, an hour 40 minute video. And then Adam is working on a robot. That's going to take automatically take our podcast episodes, pull them down, merge the video with the audio and auto upload it to our YouTube mm-hmm. channel. So that way, all of our podcast episodes will be findable on YouTube with a super dope, chill as fuck video. <laughs> and you can just sit there and be like, mm, yeah, it's like I'm just, it's like, I'm just sit, like you're sitting just there. Just like I'm the there at the campfire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we got good. that We got that in the works. We have some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah. I don't know. Do we know when? Because I still have to fix. I, I got everything done on my side except for this YouTube upload, which we're not going to talk about it, but was a surprising pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so the question is once, once it's all ready to go, which will be soon, mm-hmm. when are we going to start actually doing this? Just whenever. Just as soon as we're ready. As soon as weeks. Yep. I mean, this is a great thing about building robots is once you make them and they just start doing stuff and then yeah. you don't have to. Well, and, and we had been debating about how to actually launch it because we have a backlog now, as you listeners know, of mm-hmm. 93. Is this 93? This is 93. This is 93. So and, a backlog. And, you know, of, we're, we'll, we're not uploading these manually. No, no, absolutely not. But once we have the robot, we can upload them all, actually. But the question is, you know, should we? Because Mm -hmm. that's that's suddenly an entire bolus. Yeah, I I went back and I listened to the first the first couple, just kind of like skipped through, Mm -hmm. just to kind of scope it out. And uh, I feel like our podcasting chops have improved. I'm sure that's true. In the sense, well, we probably don't want all of them. The question is, do we do we go back to maybe like 25 or something, which is about when we got this set up or 30, maybe something like that. Uh, our professional setup, and then we just upload sixty fucking episodes <laughs> in one go. <laughs> in one go, or yes, yeah, so that that we I, go. I, I, don't I, I would say we could probably do the ones around the time that Crashlands launched, probably because mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. probably when we we that's had interest. A, 
yeah, we were probably 20 something episodes in. We had a pretty good feel for, for doing the stuff. We had figured out our equipment more, mm-hmm. you know, and there was actually a lot of crazy things happening at that time. So, sure. you know, so we'll, we'll have some, uh, again, we'll have, we'll have a blurg pierced. So we could, so maybe we'll upload basically, we'll start wherever we think they're good. <laughs> yeah. Upload literally all of them. And then set them all, it's like 60 or whatever that is, to public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from then on, every week, we'll we'll just automatically have the next one added. Yeah. Yep. So how would you do it? That'll be. Sure. That'll be yeah. something. So then if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Then you get hit by a billion podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll also get our trailers, um, mm-hmm. talks that we put up there. And what we're it, figuring out how to do time-lapse videos, too, in a similarly yeah. more intelligent fashion than what is the currently the time-sync time-lapse fashion that we yeah. do them in. Yeah, I mean, it, it, basically time. what this amounts to is we've realized that that YouTube is actually an incredible platform for reaching people mm-hmm. uh, because people are- You can are, search it and stuff. You can search, <laughs> you can find things. It recommends videos. And people are already using it. I mean, everybody, so, everybody's using everybody's it. Everybody's on YouTube. It still is the case. I mean- Obviously, the people listening to this podcast are are an exception. It's easy to forget, but almost nobody listens to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I didn't listen to podcasts until we started making this one because yeah. I was like, oh, this sounds like a fun thing to do. And then I, What's and a, I started- What are podcasts what, Exactly. About? What are podcasts? So I started to look into them, and now it's now it's a thing that I do on the regular, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and most- I feel like once what, you're in it, you're in it. Yeah, exactly. But- I think it's a thing that once people do it, then they just start doing it. But it just- Until then, it sounds so sort of weird. random and weird. Like, yeah. why, why would I- I, you know, I watch TV now. I'm, I'm a modern person. Like, why would I just listen to people talk? Modern about man. I got, I like images with my audios. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not, so we're going to give that to you though. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's going to work out fine. It's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. You're going to cry. Just tears. Yeah. Because finally you have something to look at. Also make sure you watch for the first, I think 25 seconds or something, because the flop rocket comes flying across the sky. Oh, it comes back though. In yeah. floppy fashion. Yeah, yeah, it does every yeah. every, every about every 30 seconds the flop rocket it's goes w- goes wiggling across the, the night wiggly. sky. Does yeah. it do it the same way every time or is it randomized? It's the same way. Okay. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. So that's that's what we got as far as news relating to podcast and just other random yeah. shit. Um so we got a couple other bullet points one here. So we mm. got we got, all right, we got we got two kind of interesting things I want to talk about. What? Seth. So, the first one is uh, I've been reading this book called The One Thing. One and like the word one. Is it just a but sentence? But in all caps. So W-O-N. Yeah. So, so o- <laughs> O-N-E. O-N-E. Yeah. That, that one. Uh, and so the, the premise of the book is basically talking about uh, how achieving success in any given thing is oftentimes about what you don't do a lot more than what you do do. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so they, they talk about the idea of a focusing question, which okay. is a question that you ask yourself when you're making a decision about next steps. And this particular question is intended to help you sort of cut out the bullshit, you know, cut out all the extra stuff that you don't need to do. And so in the book, they suggest using the question, the question, what is the one thing I can do such that everything else will become easier or redundant, which I think is a pretty good good start. It's a pretty good start. You know, it kind of talks about like this. We want to get our podcast up onto YouTube. What can we do to make that so that we get, don't have to so, actually do so it. So we can promote the podcast, <laughs> but also so we don't have to do it. And you know, the answer is build a robot that mm-hmm. does it. Right. So we just, we spent a day uh, working on it. Then Adam has some things to finalize. Probably another but, day. Fucking yep. YouTube. <laughs> but then once it's done, it's done and you don't have to worry about it again. Yep. Right. And so, uh, so I got up on Sunday morning and it was one of those one of those weekend days where I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like you have a lot of things that you p- 
definitely need to take care mm-hmm. of, right? But you don't need to take care of them that day specifically. Mm-hmm. Like you could give it a week or two maybe, but you know that if you did all those things, you'd, everything else would be much smoother. So you wake right? up at the crossroads. Yeah, when you wake up in the morning, you're laying in bed and you're kind of like squinting, mm-hmm. staring at the ceiling and you're just like, shit, because there's like 32 <laughs> things, you mm-hmm. know? You got to, you got to do the laundry, but you could probably wait another day. Yep. You know, you got to like mow the lawn. But also laundry is highly asynchronous. You just kick it off and then you go do other things. Yeah, but you still got to do it. Yeah, you got to plan for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's still, there's a decision fatigue, you know? Um, And there's just all kinds of things to take care of. And uh, so I was, I was, I was like, what if I use this focusing question? Right. And I was thinking through it and I was like, well, the problem is these are all chores Mm -hmm. that are pretty manual in nature. Like, I can't make, I can't like program something to pull my weeds yep. out of the garden. Well, to maybe you can. Have you, have you really thought about it? <laughs> I haven't thought about it that hard, but I bet you could, but I probably could, I probably could yeah. given enough time and resources. Yeah. Uh, but this as it, but is, as yeah. it stands, the weeds need to be pulled yep. and I got to pull them. Right. And so maybe, so I was trying so I was using this focusing question idea, but what, but that, like that foundational question that the book offered was not really like hitting it for me. It's a little breathy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, is, it doesn't have the it punch. Is, it doesn't actually really feel like much of a focus question. Uh, yeah. I like, yeah. I like Seth's question but. more, especially because the way that he has, he says it in particular. Mm-hmm. What? The, yeah. So well, this is, so we, we've shifted to another focusing question at work, which is, could we not, <laughs> can we just not do this thing? This thing that we're about to do. What how if we could just we, didn't? How could we not? Yeah. 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 And I think so that's well, the new question. Well, that's been a really good one because the, the fastest way, to get your work done is just to figure out that you not don't do need to do yeah, it. Which again, yeah. comes back to the core of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the things that you don't do are just as important as the things that you do. Mm-hmm. So do you do. that you do do. Yeah. Uh, so you should always just ask yourself, could we not, can, yeah. we, can I just not do this thing? How could I not do this thing? What would happen if I didn't do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like my, my personal thing, I stumbled across a pretty good question, which, which helped me have easily the most productive Sunday of my, of my fucking life. <laughs> and I woke up and I was at that crossroads and I was trying to figure so out. You're sitting there. You're like, I can either just, I could leisure around. I could just, I could just fucking lounge the whole day mm-hmm. and then figure out how to resolve all the unresolved problems Later. over the next week. Right. And try to like pack in all these things in my evenings or something. Um, that's, I sat there and I was like, what if I, cause I know that if I did all these things today, I'd be so fucking proud of myself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I would sleep like a baby. I would just be so pumped. So instead of making a to-do list, I made a pride list. I was like, everything I check off this list is something to be proud of that I got done today. Right. And so I, I cast myself as, you know, people say like, oh, like you don't want to be like on your deathbed, looking back on your life and mm. being filled with regret. So I just kind of like cast myself forward in time into the evening. And I kept thinking back as I was doing stuff about how great it was going to feel in the Mm -hmm. evening, having had done all these things that I was doing. And man, I I tidied up the shit out of the house. I weeded everything. I cut every plant that was Mm -hmm. loose out in the yard, did dishes, did laundry, scrubbed everything down, organized closets. Holy shit. It was amazing. (laughs) I was like the Tasmanian devil of cleanliness. Well, so really it's not even necessarily about pride. It's about how do I make my future self's life easier? Yeah. Or well, cause, cause you have like, I don't, I, don't uh, I think it was how I met your mother. They have that, that running joke throughout the show where they go, Oh, that's a problem for like future Ted yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But really you should be, you should be solving problems for future Ted. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't be creating problems for 
future Ted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Because those, those will pile up. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting of like, instead of thinking about what you want to do now, think about what you would like to have had done in the past. Yeah. So it's also later. <laughs> similarly, it's not, what do I want to do? It's what do I want to have done? What do yes. I, yeah. What do I want to have had done? Well, it's an interesting yeah. thing too, because there's a lot of things that I think people generally want to accomplish that require a lot of work to accomplish that you want to, but you still want to have had done that thing. And so there's yeah, this yeah. hilarious Ted talk by this guy who's, it's about procrastination. Um, and he makes this joke at the beginning where he's like, you know, I, I always wanted to have done a Ted talk. Yeah. Yeah. In the past. <laughs> like, right. But not to do it. Not to do it, but to have already done it. Yep. Um, I think that's the way people tend to look at most things, right? Yeah. Like you, everybody wants to have climbed, climbed Mount Everest. You want, to, you want to be able to say that you yeah. did that, right? Mm-hmm. In the past. But actually actually <laughs> doing it, like, that's hard. But saying that you have done it is that's the easy right. part. Yeah, well, and that's, that's why you do it anyway, because you only get to do something in a moment, right? But then you get to have done that thing until you die. Whoa. Yeah, or until you have to do it again. Like <laughs> we really do need to start making inspirational posters. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, so, so I think, yeah, casting yourself forward and saying, what would I look have if, liked to have done would this e- weekend? What mm-hmm. would evening, Seth like to look back on today and think about yeah. having had accomplished, mm-hmm. you know, because morning Seth sucks and doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. You know, but do you make yourself a slave to your future self in this regard? I think that's, I think we always are. Well, you either yeah. do that or you make yourself a slave to your past decisions or to your current habits. Yep. Sometimes you just want to be a dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs don't give a fuck. I don't have any. <laughs> well, the, but the point though is that, is that you just get to choose, right? You get to choose either to be anxious about the problems you're piling up in your future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you get to choose to, and then and while choosing to basically just embrace the moment, do whatever the fuck you want, right? Or you can choose to focus. On, I mean, you can choose whichever one you want. The question is just which one is of the most value to you, right? And it seems pretty damn obvious that the thing that's going to be the most valuable in the now as well as in the future. And who gives a fuck about the past? That's already what is what has happened, right? Is, yeah. is time to, to move on. on future yeah. self. YOLO. You know? Yeah. YOLO. Move in, Move into the future. It's better over there. Yeah. Yeah. Who? All right. So anyway, I just wanted to, just want to get that out there. That was interesting. Uh, all right. So we have one final news item, which I don't know if it's news. And I also don't remember what it means. And I don't know if it's related to what we were talking about. <laughs> and it's called... <laughs> Simulated kneeling. Uh, so the long and short of it is that after the podcast <laughs> last week, we were so revved up that we kept talking for another like 20 minutes. Actually, I was jazzed, but I think you guys were revved. I had jazz hands, but I was revved up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was making car noises. Yeah. So <laughs> Adam Adam uh, brought up this concept called simulated annealing because as we've as we've sort of uh, continued making games and, and learning about our own process and what we what works for us as a studio in terms of creatively outputting an ungodly amount of stuff um we've we've been stumbling across terms that seem like they better describe what it is that we do than other words we've used before so we used to refer to the way that we uh we designed games as basically uh improv improv design is what we refer to Mm -hmm. as but the reality we found out is that it's something called a hegelian dialectic hegelian dialectic coupled Uh, with simulated annealing Exactly. So this is what we're getting to. So the Hegelian dialectic is actually it's where- It's really important to have jargon so that you get to feel really good about it. <laughs> well, no, they, they, there's a- No, but it's true though. It's yeah. crystallizing. Exactly. Yeah. There's an idea for this, which yeah. is that you can't, you, it, it's easier to, uh, to control a thing, to think about a thing when you have a word for it. Yeah. So uh, the Hegelian dialectic was, was the first one of these. Have we talked about Hegelian dialectic on the podcast? Say it again. 
Hegelian dialect. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll just briefly go into it. So the idea is that in a Hegelian dialectic, it's not. That is good to say that. It is good. It is a type of argument. It is. It's not, but it's not the same. It's not a debate. Okay. And so the difference between winning, the debate is about winning your point, right? Yeah. And making the other person concede. Yes. More importantly. In a Hegelian dialectic, everybody who's at the table is actually working in service of something. So in our case, it's like building a good game studio, building the next game. All of us are trying to do that the best. And so what happens is what we do is we come together and we argue about what the best method forward is, but none of us cares about the method that we put forward so much as finding the best method. Yeah, we're not trying to win. We're we're not trying to win as individuals. We're trying to win as a team. We're hopping on a voyage of discovery. Nobody's nobody's arguing on their own behalf. They're arguing on behalf of a third party, Correct. which is the game. Yeah. yeah, and so this allows for, uh, I think, easier detachment from your own ideas, but then also this sort of simulation where you end up getting this third point or fourth point, depending on how many people are talking, um, where you it's a sort of synthesis of all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's how we realize we do actually do our design as well as our, how we run our studio and stuff. Hegelian dialectic. It feels good to say. So, and then Hegelian dialectic. Week, after the uh, after the podcast was done, we were chatting, and Adam brought up this concept to describe our overall design process, which is really interesting. And it comes from it comes from molecular like bio. Well, it's a, it's a physics originally, and it's used really heavily in 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 molecular biology now, and people are trying to understand how proteins fold. Right. Okay, so, so take, take us away. So are we the proteins? It's sort of, yeah. Okay. Uh, but but this this comes from, it's, kind of, it's it's old physics stuff, right? Which is, so so simulated annealing, or I guess annealing in the physics sense is like, if you can think of it as crystals, right? Which is that as you cool a thing down, it starts to anneal. It starts to become more stable and then form some pattern, right? It anneals. It, mm-hmm. So that, that's where this, this idea comes from. So it from. starts as chaos. It starts as pure chaos. And then it anneals. And becomes less and less chaotic, right? Uh, until you end up at some point, um, and based and so this is a, it's an it's a thermodynamic process, and, and people in, in physics have had lots of really nice ways to to describe this using equations for for some time, right? Uh, and so at some point, so this, this all comes from that same book we talked about last week, which is that uh, algorithms algorithms to live to by, live by yeah. book. Uh, so they talk about this there, and I actually remember that I that I used some of this in grad school a little bit. I just kind of I had forgotten it, and at the time I wasn't thinking of it as a metaphor, a very direct metaphor actually, for just like how to do things in life instead of just how to solve mm. you know science problems. It does seem a little far away. This one's a little further away than, like, <laughs> than the one we talked about last week. But uh, but this guy, and I can't remember what problem that he was trying to solve. He's working for like a telephone company, so that's where back when telephone companies were useful. This mm-hmm. you know this they they developed lots of cool tech, mm. uh, and now they just steal money from people. But sure, you know, yeah. that's a separate issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So this guy was trying to solve some problem and it had to do with in computer science. There are many problems that there's so many variables involved that there's little, there's no solution. You can't solve the thing. Right. Uh, or there are many possible solutions and you can't explore the entire space. And so you need to decide how to decide what parts of the space to explore because okay, so you're essentially you're, you're presented with overwhelming possibilities, really. effectively infinite. So possibilities, you say, I'm not right. going to solve this problem. I'm going to just come up with a process, I'm gonna come up with a process that will yield the solution, but not necessarily the best solution. Just right? a solution. Right. And yeah. the question is, how do I, how do I be confident that I haven't just found a good solution, but I found a quite good solution, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that you can never know you've gotten the best solution. And so the, the, the big problem here is that if you just start, if you just choose something and then allow it to sort of, vary a little bit as you like, as you simulate your problem. So you just change the variables and see what happens. Right. Uh, as you do that, you can then pick the ones that do best. Right. Mm. And keep picking the ones that do best and get you towards whatever, whatever you're trying to do. But if you do that, if you do exactly that, then, then what you end up with is 
uh, finding local, they call local, local maxima or local minima, right? Which is basically just like a pretty good decision mm-hmm. that might be not even close to as good as something else, but it's just far away from it. Like you'd have to explore so all just, of your variables. So basically to be completely different. for what it is, it's pretty good. Yeah. But, but all of your variables have to be basically completely different to find the be- the much better solution. Right. So right? this is like the idea so of, you us, can't get there. of us launching simultaneously across all three platforms without knowing, but having thought about it a bunch, because we always say we have no idea. We could have gone much better. Yeah. If we did it some other way, but it certainly was good enough. You just have to make a choice. Yeah. Right. And so, so we, and we, we've given whatever variables I have at hand. So the question is, how do you get, if you're exploring a solu- a space of solutions, right? Mm-hmm. How do you do it in a way that allows you to get an answer so you can stop because you have infinite possible answers, right. right? So you have to be able to stop. How do you do it with the confidence that you're not trapped in this local maximum forever because it's too far away from something else? Mm-hmm. And the answer is you try you start from as many different points as you can with completely different selections of variables and stuff. And then you allow those things to, uh, to, to vary quite a bit as you start, like as you start working towards your solution, right? So as you pick the better ones, you sometimes pick worse ones. You sometimes pick better ones. You allow that range of the things that you're choosing to be really wide. Just be, be open to a lot of possibilities. Be open to a lot of possibilities. And then as you start sort of, you know, climbing up these hills, getting t- toward these maximum, uh, you start to let the variation get smaller and smaller. So you so could say chaos. you could say it's crystallizing. It's crystallizing exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're turning it is that's exactly what it is. So you're turning the temperature <laughs> down, right? Because the idea because temperature is just chaos, right. right? That's just actually what it is. It's just molecules banging into each other really fast. So the idea with annealing is exactly the same. So you start with chaos and then you cool it down until you end up with a place where it is no longer chaos. So interestingly, is this not the a similar sort of uh, thing as, as the Hegelian dialectic. Well, what Hege- Hegelian dialectic is, is not actually, it doesn't describe how to take the approach. It describes basically an attitude towards it, right? Correct. Uh, Simulated annealing is, is the, 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 well, if you, co- if you couple those together, mm-hmm. then that's actually what we do, right? So, so the annealing is basically us saying, we want to try, we have this idea of what's going to improve the game or make mm-hmm. the game more like this thing. Uh, and then we throw chaos on it. So then, we, yeah. Right. So we, we throw that into this, we throw Meaning, that into we the game. About it. Yeah, we brainstorm about it for a while. We come up with, and we, we allow just all ideas yep. and we kind of argue the points using the Hegelian dialectic, mm-hmm. figure out, mm-hmm. figure out what we think might be a local maxima right. of that idea. Right. We but put, then we always ask like, well, what if, and then we throw something in there, right? We throw a wrench in and just ask, okay, what if we just removed a variable and just change something entirely? Where do we end up now? Right. That so, question. Could we not? Or could, could we, we just not, not do yeah. this? So we continue to throw this chaos on it. And mm. then as we coupled with Hegelian dialectic, which is what we use to make our decisions, right? Then as we move forward, then we start to, the idea of what we want starts to come into place, which means we need less variation now. Because now once we have like an idea that we like, we don't want to just completely change it again. Right. And this becomes particularly important once you start to develop a game, because mm-hmm. at that at the at the beginning point, it's pure chaos for us, right? Because we we develop it. We don't design it. Fashion. It's not designed. We just live in the chaos. <laughs> right. We live in the heat. Right. <laughs> and, but you have basically there's less room for chaos as time goes on because now the cost starts getting too high, mm-hmm. right? And so so the idea is you start with as much chaos as you can stand, and then are constantly working towards reducing the chaos, but not you're not trying to get rid of it. Because like, you never actually do. You don't get to a point where mm-hmm. you're like full crystal and nothing removes again, right? Uh, you just continue to allow small amounts of chaos that just get smaller and smaller as you go. Interesting. So, so that's the idea. So I, so I want to, but keep this in your brain, okay. in your brain tubes, because our first two questions are actually, I think, relevant to this. Okay. So I'm just going to throw these in. It. I'm going to throw these in the mix. Mix them in. And so these questions come from 
podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, you can ask him with your Bscotch ID. So come on over and throw out questions in the mix. Yeah. All right, so first question, it comes from Alan Falcon. Would you rather release one game every four years that sells one million copies or one game every three months that each sells 75,000 copies? So the total is the same. No, the one game every three months yields 1.2 million copies. <laughs> so obviously that's a better financial <laughs> move, but we'll get to that. All right. And then the other sort of partner question uh, comes from Kulabula, who says, I read that it took you guys two years to make Crashlands. Which would have made you more money? Crashlands or six additional free-to-play games, four months dev on each game, uh, with similar quality to Quadrupus Rampage? Mm. So both of these questions, I'm going to kind of boil them down to the idea of, given what we just talked about, of sort of like starting with chaos and then allowing things to crystallize and whatever, um, is it better to make a bunch of small games Mm. or to work on one huge game? Mm -hmm. Because what we found with Crashlands was we started, again, we started with chaos. And actually, it was probably the first first year of the two years was basically... It was basically us just exploring the concept we didn't, and didn't cool it down at all. No, no, we just we just kept throwing chaos into there, um, and the game systems didn't crystallize in any kind of a meaningful way until about a year in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once we were there, then it was just kind of pumping content mm-hmm. into the same. And then, as we talked about before, when Adam came on, and there suddenly was a huge injection of chaos, new, new source of chaos. Yep. Yep. Um, and then once we, once we, after, let's see, I think after a year and a half, we started working on the story, Mm -hmm. which was another injection of chaos. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but for us, that was still a much more stable project than the stuff we'd worked on in the past. Cause our previous games had been three month projects. Mm -hmm. And for example, with Quadrupus Rampage, we added Pete, you know, the the point of the game, the boss, uh, like two weeks before launch. Right. And so there wasn't really a, it never actually crystallized, right? It, no, it, it was just, just yeah. chaos, and then we launched it. It was just chaos, and then it sort of like slightly like a, cooled, and then we threw it out there. It's like a Bane versus Batman situation, you know? <laughs> right. we yeah, were, well, we were born in it. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so I, think, I think there's an interesting question here because I think it really depends on, on where you are because I think you learn a lot by being in the, the heat, mm-hmm. by yeah, being in the that's chaos. That's where all of learning is, right. actually. Yeah, because because once you've once you've crystallized your game idea, then it's work. Yep. Like, yep. then you're like, well, we know we know we need, like, 39 enemies, we yep. need 128 you know what all the rules are. helmets, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and you just you just go. And then, because every, every game idea has a certain content threshold that it needs to hit for it to be a marketable concept for people to be willing to mm-hmm. spend money on it, right? Um, and so, so if you're, if your goal is to learn a lot, as fast as possible, like let's say you're early in your studio life or whatever, then I would not advocate whatsoever for spending two or four no. years on a game project. Yeah. Cause you got to learn. You got to learn. Yeah. And honestly, the only reason we, we worked on Crashlands is because of other sort of extraneous circumstances. Mm-hmm. We'll say our plan was to just keep making games every, you know, three to four months. Yeah, I mean, this last second was a quarter done. We, yeah, we're two we and a half weeks in and yeah, we would have been yeah. done with that in two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easy. Um, so I think, I think it really, kind of depends. Um, and I, I think where, where we are right now, you know, our, our intent is to probably continue working on games that take at least like maybe like a year mm-hmm. to make six months a year, but we may occasionally sprinkle in some small, you know, mini projects or whatever, just to keep things fresh. Yeah. Um, cause again, like you do, especially once we get to the part where the project, the big project is cooled down. Right. Because yeah. now it, start, it just starts to become less fun and less educational. Well, you're not learning as much you're not yeah. learning stuff. And I mean, just as an example with the, uh, with the current project we're working on, 
uh, we have this new suite of animation uh, systems that mm-hmm. make it really easy to make much more elaborate, super cool skeletal animations. Um, and that system came out of a three-day game jam that we did internally inside the studio uh, where we where we wanted to get a bunch of characters in there. And I thought, I'll just take, you know, eight hours and just come up with this entirely new system so I don't have to do all this stuff by hand, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, then I had that jam to kind of refine the system. And once it was done, then I brought that system over into the new game. And now all of a sudden we have this thing, yeah. right? And so I think breaking away from this, these bigger projects and doing these smaller things where you're free to just inject chaos into it. You want to stay hot. Yeah. You know? And, just, and yeah. just completely yeah. change everything. But you want to, but you want to, but things that are hot are generally not suitable for other people to consume. It'll burn their tongue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Burn them. Yeah. 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 So you got to cool them down. But if it's too cold, it'll also burn their tongue. So you got to cool them down. Room temperature. <laughs> you got to get to room temperature. Yeah. And that's when you launch the thing. Yeah. Right? So I guess the answer is it depends. Mm-hmm. And every working on a game long-term has its benefits. Working on a game in the short term has different benefits. I'll actually have, I took this in a different direction when I listened to this question, which mm. is uh, in particular, Alan's, Alan Falcon's question about uh, if we had, you know, six successive games that all had 75,000 players, whatever. To me, that would mean we fucked up. Oh, yeah. Because we should have gotten more players <laughs> yep. yeah. over time. Also, I was also reading that. I was like, mm, yeah, 75,000 The, the amount of, uh, of uh, portfolio back work, backlog work we'd have to do. Yeah. Just actually, to but also, those, actually, you're huge. wrong, Adam. You're wrong. Why? Because if after, if after f- what? If after four years, mm-hmm. each of our games that we launched has sold 75,000 copies, that means that- Didn't you say free to play? No, Alan's Alan's question okay. was about selling <laughs> selling the games. So he said one one game for four years that sells a million copies, or a game every three months that each sells seventy five thousand copies. Sure. But if every game, if after four years, if every game has sold seventy five thousand copies, then that means the ones right. at the beginning they've just had a longer tail, you know. So uh, really, the most recent ones you. have done better. True, but mm. just very slightly. Mm-hmm. Math. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> but I think. But I would still though, even though that is true. Yeah. I, I acquiesce. It's still, that still is not good It is good still enough. true. It's still not sufficient yeah. growth uh, yeah. for, for what I would say. Like, cause I mean, our, our main goal is to make it so that every game that we make is far more successful than the last one. Mm-hmm. And, and to us, I think that that truly does mean either we, we'd make lots of small games, roll the dice, or we can make big elaborate games that get people really excited so that they want to play them and tell their people about them and so mm-hmm. on. And so it doesn't become a dice roll anymore. It just becomes an accumulation of because, people hey, who are pumped about game what we're doing. Game is good and we're going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so next question uh, comes from Racing for the Finish, who says, Ermagersh. Hmm. That's mm, what he started with. Ermagersh. <laughs> the Great British Bake Off is splendid. Oh, yeah. What makes it so entertaining when other baking shows that are more action-oriented are mind-numbing after a few episodes? Or even, I mean, I haven't watched this one, so I won't answer the question, but I would just say, what's also say, or even really just horrifying. Because yeah. most, most cooking shows... I get, I get actually just physically agitated <laughs> watching them because the people are so terrible. Yeah. So, okay. Shit. So this, this question came about because Sam started baking bread and we, a few episodes ago. Also, I did, uh, on Sunday, I made my, my sixth loaf, which was my signature bake, uh, to move me onto crackers, which I'm working on next. Uh, <laughs> I passed the test. I did burn the bottom of it a little bit, but it was a huge loaf of bread. So, so, wait, so what, what made pass. it your signature test exactly? Was, uh, it was a personal like, decision or yeah. he signed so it? So I, I asked, yeah. I told Diana, I was like, I want to do, you know, I want to do a signature bake. 
and then I'm going to move on to crackers. What does that mean? Oh, is this a phrase from the show or it's something? It's a phrase from the show. Okay, okay, one one of the challenges is. each week is a signature bake. Where they, okay. like, you know, they come up with their own design for things. So, oh. so I made this huge, just rotund loaf and then decorated, like cut out bread pieces and decorated the top of it with like flower bits. So it looked like flowers, you know, made out of bread. Put that sucker in the oven, cooked it, turned out fantastic. So Diana said I passed, so I get to move on to crackers now. Oh, so Diana's your gatekeeper. Yeah, she's the judge. She's the judge. She's um, the signature. Does she ever just like eat your bread and then just shake her head and be like, this is the <laughs> No, but she does. Uh, she does say. Your pack your <laughs> yeah, she does say it's a good bake, which is one of the phrases from the show. Ah. So, but yeah, so uh, I think the reason it's so pleasant is because you actually, it's, you get to focus on what the people are actually doing. Because it turns of, out it's interesting. It turns out it's interesting to watch someone bake and have them explain what the hell is happening as opposed to. Usually what happens in all the other kitchen shows is it's actually about how terrified people are or about the drama. So mm-hmm. any cutaway shot in the American television shows and like Top Chef, they're asking. You know, trying to get people to talk shit about yeah, each other. Yeah, you're talking shit and about it. You always get that classical line, I'm not here to make friends. Yep. There's always someone who does that, who yep. gets kicked off early because it's not a good strategy. Because they're not here to make friends. Um, you so should be making friends everywhere. I think that's what it's about. Is it, is it, it actually has the proper focus. Is it because there's no, you, people don't win anything? Yeah, there's no, there's no winning. Because there's awards and all the other, there's like a huge awards, like hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? Which then means that people, people are not, like loss means a lot. Correct. Right? Uh, so, and it can actually change someone's life. Yeah, I think in the, in, the, in the case of the Great British Bake Show, people are always winning, right? Yeah. Because th- that's how they feel and you can just, you feel that constantly as, right. they, as they do so it. So you'll so just enjoy this reminds me of, hmm. this reminds me, there was a, so there, there was a, an attempt to turn a game jam into a reality yeah. show. This happened oh, yeah. a few years ago. And it was, I don't remember who was the production company, but I knew it was sponsored by Mountain Dew. Yep. And then there was some other shit. There's a breakdown of it on Gama Sutra. Somewhere. Yeah, there's a, there's a Gama Sutra article about it and has basically amounted to, so game jams are, and also the, the independent game development community are notorious for being incredibly supportive, mm-hmm. friendly environments, mm-hmm. right? And so, so some genius at some production company was like, we're going to do with game jams what we've been doing with like cooking or, you know, mm-hmm. all these other, all these other activities where we basically, we pit people against each other, you know, ramp up the drama and then like make, put them at each other's throats and then televise mm-hmm. the results. And so they, uh, they got a bunch of, you know, fairly decently known uh, independent game developers, brought them all together, broke them off into teams and like, you know, tried to motivate them with various prizes and things like that. And, uh, and then tried to stir up drama. And I think after the first, it was a good day. Uh, by the end of the first day, every single one of the, of the, uh, con- of the con- contestants or whatever, they just left. <laughs> they just fucking walked <laughs> yeah. out. They're just like, I, they're like, we know we signed a contract, but we don't give a shit. Yeah. But I think, I think this, this is the interesting <laughs> thing. Cause I think, uh, I think if you did, if you actually followed a game jam in the same sort of way, yeah, like they, it's, they what they're the doing is interesting. Show, be super interesting. You don't need yeah. you don't need people to stab each other. Yeah. to have an interesting Crazy. show. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's that that departure from from caring about like expertise and knowledge about things. I like, think about what the Discovery Channel used to be, right, versus what it is now. Yeah. It's, it sort of perfectly encapsulates this, right? It used to be about people doing actually amazing things, or just about amazing things that have happened, or about how the world works, and, mm-hmm. and, and digging into the details of this stuff because it's really interesting and really compelling. And it is slowly over time turned into just people making things up or being at each other's throats yeah. for really inane fucking reasons, yeah. right? 
And that's now the whole, that's everything is exactly mm-hmm. that same way. Well, it's kind of insulting too. Cause the, cause that means there's an assumption on the part of the producers that the thing that the people are doing is not interesting. Yeah. Like it's not worth watching. Yeah. Right. Right. Instead, the only thing worth watching is just pe- people being dicks. Right. <laughs> right. It's also sad about that show, uh, naked and afraid, Yeah, you know, where it's like, okay, you get these expert survivalists, you strip them of everything, including their clothes and you throw them into this really hostile environment. And they have to survive for 41 days yeah, or something, yeah. which the, the types of things that they would have to do and figure out in order to survive is crazy. Like well, it's an interesting point because you know, they never, whenever they talk to him, they never ask him about, or they never have them explain like what they're doing exactly. Yeah, they show for, some of it. They but show they it, but they're, yeah. they're not like, you know, walk us through why the, you yeah. do this over whatever right. other methods. They'll only, they'll only have people talk about what they're doing if it's in the context of them complaining about how that also relates to how they're pissed off at another person, right? right, right? right. So, like, does Bear Grylls still have his show where he was just by himself doing stuff? Probably, because that was pretty good. But that was all about he. He just had to because there was nothing else to happen. Was that the show that do, like right? that spawned the uh, the running joke of like drinking your own Drink piss? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did all kinds yeah. of stuff. All right, cool. Uh, so, next question comes from Peace and Bullets. Mm. Peace and Bullets says. I would like to subscribe to the Butterscotch Shenanigans Book Club. Where can I find out what you all are reading? The question is, how many books a month can you read? Yeah, because there's three of us. And we all read different books. And a lot of and them. And Sam reads really fast. I read it normally. Sometimes I, don't, sometimes I wonder if Sam even reads. Sam has this thing <laughs> where like, so Sam he just was, takes books home and then reads the cliff notes and then comes back and yeah, talks about them. That's right. Yeah. That's well, what I've secretly been doing well, all like, these years. Here, here's, how, here's how Sam exists. I feel like he's a t- like a temporal, like a time lord. So, so, so just yesterday, sure. And I are like, we're going to go to the gym. And Sam's like, I'm going to go to the gym. And, uh, like I'm, I'm changing to get ready to go to the gym. And Sam was like, Hey, I'm just going to get a head start. I'm going to run over there real quick and, uh, and get started. I'll just see you over there. I'm like, all right. So like five minutes later, sure. And I get in the car, we head over to the gym and Sam is reading a magazine. Uh, he's all sweaty. (laughs) He's reading a magazine and he just looks up and he's like, Oh, hey guys. And we're like, all right, let's get, let's get going. And Sam's like, no, I already did it. I already did it all. I'm like, what the fuck? How did you do that, man? What did you do? Like four different workouts? Seven different. Seven eight, different. Eight. Sure, yeah. <laughs> a little extra. Yeah. Usually aim for six, but yeah. Yeah. Or whenever Sam goes to run on a treadmill, he just goes, just goes on the treadmill, turns it up to as fast as he can physically run. <laughs> And then just does, on. And then just <laughs> and then just does that until his legs give out, and then hits the stop button, and then very goes home. Right. So it's like yeah. four minutes of just sprinting. If you're gonna do a thing, you should do it. Yeah. yeah. So similarly, you yeah. know, reading a book, Sam's like, I'm gonna read a book, and then he just picks it up, and like eight minutes later, he's like, So here's what I learned. <laughs> but, you know? but I think but, part of the problem is that people make such a big deal about this stuff, right? They make a big such a big deal about the effort and going to the gym and how long it's going to take and all this kind of stuff, yeah. which is one of the things that keeps people, it's one of the things that keeps me from doing it. Right. Yeah. Which is actually, I embrace Sam's style of just like, if you just go, you just go do it and leave. And yeah. then just I started doing that this it. past week too. It's great. Yeah. I used to like, I was tracking all of my numbers and stuff yeah. and like monitoring yeah. my progress. I'm like, you know, what if I just fucking went there? Could I not? And just like, <laughs> cause, the other, cause the other problem is like, you go to the gym, you're waiting for machines, right? Yep. But that's only if you have a preset workout. Yeah. Correct. Cause then, you, you just then go there are certain machines open. you have to use. If you, just go, if you just go in there yep. and you just simulated a kneel your way through the gym, you're like, fuck it. Or, like, there's a bench press machine open. I'm leg like, bicep day. I guess right. <laughs> today is big toe day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just exercise something. Yeah. Well, all actually, the machines are taken. I'm just gonna do jumping jacks for 45 minutes. There's a, there's a similar idea, which I think is, is actually more useful in everyday life because it's less elaborate and confusing. 
than simulated annealing, which is just constraint relaxation, which is the same idea. Oh, where yeah. You've yeah. got too many, because many, one of the reasons that you can't solve a lot of problems is because there are too many variables, too many constraints on that problem, right? And, uh, and so you can just ask the question. So let's take like the traveling salesman problem, which is not solvable, right? It's I don't been, know what that it's been, is. It's the one where a, a salesman has like whatever, some number of N towns, 10 towns that he needs to go to. But the question is, what is the route? What is the shortest possible route that allows him to visit every one of those cities exactly one time? It's actually an unsolved computer. When do you take mm. it to N, right? It's an unsolved problem. Ah. Uh, but so like if there's any arbitrary number of towns, you mean. Right. Okay. So you, you could never prove that you have found the optimal solution, for example, right? But you can use constraint relaxation, which is basically to say, what if we said he could we visit more than yeah. once? <laughs> yeah. You say, who cares? Yeah, exactly. You could say, what if, what if we're allowed to visit more than once? Then all of a sudden it actually becomes a solvable problem. Or right? what if you just measured uh, the success of this by how much stuff he sold? Right. He's a salesman. Yeah. We skipped these shitty towns. So, but, but the key, <laughs> yeah. though, is that if, if you still want that other solution with all the constraints there, right? The, the idea is you first relax your constraints. You first remove some constraints and then solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And then you put the constraint back starting from there. This is kind ask, of like the other day. Now what we it's like the other day, Sam going to the gym with boots on because he forgot his shoes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, I guess this isn't a problem. I do have boots. <laughs> I'm just going to wear gym shorts and boots. <laughs> I look like a maniac. But I don't give a fuck because I was at the gym. And I was done in 20 minutes. Exercise and plus you had a little bit of extra weight on your legs. So you got a little yeah, bit more, sure more gains yeah. walking around. But yeah, whenever you find yourself <laughs> though, in a, with a problem that you just can't fucking figure out how to solve, just try, just relax. Just relax. Well, speaking bit. of books, Take this, this kind of reminds me of the book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it's about. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> what it's I, all about. You know, Oprah had a book list. Maybe we should have a book club. Would yeah. that sort of elevate us to Oprah status? It seems I feel like, like that it. must be, <laughs> that must be the one thing. That's why she's famous, right? Yeah. Right. Cause of her book club. She's got a book club. I don't think it went the other way. Pretty no, sure. So, not at all. Yeah. yeah. No, she was basically a nobody. And, and she's she like, what if club. I just had a book club? So the only way <laughs> we'd be able to do a book club is if I would rather just put up a reading list. Yeah, that's probably a better. A book club sounds like a lot of work. Can we just not do that part? (laughs) Yeah, because then we have to plan it as opposed to just retroactively do it. No, we just say here's what we are reading or have read. Yeah, but yeah, but then if we if we if we keep it up to date though, so we focus on what we are reading, then we may talk about some of that in the podcast episodes. Yeah, because we do anyway. And 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 it would basically people have a little bit of a heads up. Basically, we could have we could have a page on the because we have on our website we have our little education and talk section. We could Mm -hmm. have a there's there's a little tiny. Isn't there a little book? It is not well-maintained. there's just yes. two books. Yeah, so what we, what we <laughs> really need is we need a, not just a list of books, but also with a very brief blurb about why you, we read it, mm. what we gained from it, whether we recommend it. I do take notes and everything. I think I've already I read suppose it. we shouldn't put something on the list that we don't recommend. No, no that would be... Then we uh, just be a review site. Yeah. Yeah. Read this book. It's bad. Don't read it. <laughs> yeah. We just wasted your time telling you that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We could put together... We'll, not necessarily a book club, at least at this point, but a We a can book call list. it whatever we want and just put in whatever work we think is Maybe just like a book, like board with a nail in it. A scatter book club. Yeah. Ooh. It's like a scatter jam. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We're relaxing constraints. We can still have a book club. We'll, all right, we'll figure that out. We'll put Monique on it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Sushi Banjo, which sounds <laughs> kind of like wet <laughs> and not well-tuned. That's, that's a good name. All right, Sushi yeah. Banjo says... Hey guys, I've been hearing some talk of a new title you're working on. How do you d- determine who will be beta testers for the wonderful games you craft? Mm, so we used to just do it by whoever would pay attention to us. But nowadays, now you we, mean starting with Crashlands? Yeah, starting with Crashlands, we evolved the concept 
to mm-hmm. be basically what we do is we look at everybody's bscotch ids uh we have an open application period i think worth crashing we had 1100 people apply so we take yeah so we take applications and the idea is that we want people who can give a, a suitable amount of time um we don't like showing our games to a lot of people early because they're always worse than they mm-hmm. will be later which of course is the point of beta so uh, we show them to as minimal people as possible and then with crash we ended up selecting i think 170 people well, first we did an alpha with 30 people yeah. yeah, that was really close. That was basically yeah. the people who are active in our forums. Yeah, those time. are community members uh, who were really close. And then with the with the open application, it went from about 1,100 people down to 170, of which I think 110 or so ended up kind of like really, really participating. Putting a lot, yeah. Um, but the way we selected those was actually just through BSID metrics. So you both had to apply. As in, I think you just kind of threw your name in the hat mm-hmm. and because we don't want to read anything. So you throw your name in the hat, and then what we did is we looked through uh, all the BSID metrics. So, you know, do you actually play our games? Are you... A member of the forum? Have you talked to people? Have you asked a podcast question like yep. this? So we just want to know engagement. Yeah. Because you, that also that also indicates that you have the time to be a beta well, tester. And that you, and that you care interest. about what we're doing and are interested in, in contributing. Right. Because beta testers are a special breed people where yeah. they, they care they have to care more about what's going to happen than what current what the current slate of garbage is mm-hmm. being put yep. in front of them. So they're pumped about what they will have done. And of yes. course, all we can offer yeah. is their name and the credits. Yep. Yeah. That's that's all we got. That's all we yeah. got. So that's all we have in exchange. So, so there's your answer. Yeah. And of course, uh, we will we'll have info up about you mm-hmm. know what this means. But you know, if you wanna if you wanna up your chances, you know, get get engaged. I mean, this is good. You know, you got a podcast question mm-hmm. now. That's gonna give that you was some worth points. a lot of points. Yeah, yeah. Was a lot of points, yeah. But yeah, we basically we just assigned points to all this stuff and then just ranked all the applicants is mm-hmm. what and then we just took we we knew how many we needed, right? Because we were trying to we were trying to test a certain number of devices. And so we also had people supply like what kind of devices they owned. Mm-hmm. Right. So we needed to make sure we had, you know, get a th- good like cross section people on each kind of device and get, you know, just get a good cross. Yeah, like, do you have a joystick? Are you on a Linux machine mm-hmm. with an Oculus mm-hmm. yep. steering wheel? You know, all that do kind you of stuff. play in a helicopter flying upside down. Yep. Yeah. Know, just any, so we're, cool. we're just, you know, we need it. We need to kind of cover the, the normal spectrum <laughs> yeah, of the player experiences. All right. Uh, next question comes from Space Bat. Coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Space Bat says, do you guys use notebooks to record your ideas? If so, do you have a preferred brand or style? If not, how do you keep track of ideas? I use, I used to get fancy notebooks like moleskins. Yeah. Fuck it. Don't. Fuck that. And plus, I get you know, legal pads. I mean, if you want to. Ideas are garbage. They should be written into garbage. Yes. And then thrown in the trash. That's and Monique was trash. actually making fun of me because when we were flying back from GDC. I wrote, I think, nine pages on the plane coming back where it was just kind of organizing thoughts and getting stuff ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and you came home and threw it away. Well, no, I, as, <laughs> I, as I finished one, I'd usually take it out and move the important things onto the next one and keep sort of working on organizing and then just throw it away. And so and by the end of the plane ride, it was like a two and a half hour plane ride, I just had this pile of legal pad papers sitting on my desk. And that then trash. we got home, Monique ordered me a bunch more of them because she's wonderful. So, <laughs> nice. um, so yeah, I, my suggestion is actually legal pad because I think it, it, it reinforces this idea that like you need to just be cranking out thought. Yeah. You don't need to worry about how pretty it is. You don't yeah. need to worry about and you never need to revisit it. Probably. You never need to revisit. It. That's the important thing. <laughs> you will not revisit it. Uh, so we're doing the morning pages concept um, mm-hmm. from the artist way. So that you, and with the morning pages, all you do is you wake up, fill two or three pages yeah. or even just one with literally just brain, you just brain dump. Notebooks are for thinking, not for archiving. Yes. And so um, you do that and pair it with a legal pad, which is inherently kind of ugly. Yeah. They're yellow. They're horrible. They got lines across them. But they are real tall, which feels like extra good. It's great. And you can fit so much stuff on even one page. Even better is if you use a pen that bleeds through. That way, after the first page, then all of your pages not only are on ugly paper, but you can barely fucking read it anyways. <laughs> 
Because yeah. you don't need to read it. It's the process that's important. It helps so, you understand why you're doing it. So yeah, so usually what happens for me is I have my legal pad, I write a bunch of crap on it, and then uh, sort of star the important stuff. And then if it's things I need to do, then as I'm writing, like a little sort of list appears in the top right corner of it. That sort of things that I'm like, oh, I'm going to take care of this later. And then I just take that. So I might write like three pages and just get two little bullet points. And put that into an archival and system. And I put that into Workflowy. Yep. Done. Those are to-do items. The rest is just garbage. Yep. Yeah. I mean, most of what you write. But I, th I think this is actually a really important question because I know a lot of people who, who, kind, of, who kind of obsess about the quality of their pens and their notebooks and that kind of stuff, right? And like, give me a, give me a bic and a post-it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's sufficient, right? Because these are, these, these are, bic. these are mechanisms for <laughs> They're mechanisms for thinking, right? Uh, but this is like an obsession with tools. It's, it's one of the ways that people use to sort of basically ask for permission to do something, right? Yeah. Because here they're basically saying, if I only, if I had the right tool, then Again, I'd be ready. If right? only I had the right shoes, I could go to the gym. Exactly, right. No, nah, man, I got to You can't yeah, If you, you need to move yourself away from, from any kind of tool dependence at all, you know, minimize it. So if you can say like, if it might be true that you need a writing utensil of some form and something to write on. Of nah, man, you got blood. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. All you need is something sharp. <laughs> you need something sharp. And a wall. Or, well, you, got then, teeth, you got you teeth. Just, yeah, you're fine. Go for it. <laughs> you have blood in the wall. That's all you need. Uh, but but really though, that is true, right? As, as long as you, as long as you know what the bare bones mechanism is, because remember, remember, why are you doing it, right? Like they always ask the question of why. Like no, you're not you're not filling up a notebook so that you have all of your amazing ideas to go back and look at. No, because they're all garbage. They're literal garbage. Mm -hmm. You're doing that because that's how you think. That's how you crystallize ideas that then just live inside of you, right? Anneal them. You change your brain. Yeah. Every time you write something <laughs> down, you thought you have a thought which changes your brain, which makes future thoughts better. Well, and also I think importantly, just because you have a, an idea in your head doesn't mean you've actually thought it through. No. Right? Like taking the time to write, write it out and talking your way through all of the problems, like just being able to see it out there makes it forces you to actually confront all the problems with the idea. Yeah. Right. And usually what happens is you're like, Oh, never mind. That's fucking, that's dumb. I'm not <laughs> right. going to do that. Or do, even if, even if you do crystallize it into something good, that, that crystallize those bullet points that you end up with on the other end mm -hmm. of your three pages of writing, right? That's what you care about. So yeah. the practice should be is how do I, how do I just embrace that I'm writing garbage that within, within it, I'm going to find some, some, something diamonds in the rough. your diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And then what system am I going to use to handle those? And, and in this case, it should be, those are things you need to do, or those are things that you need to handle in some other fashion, right? Yeah, it's like, very rare that, that if there's an idea that is worth your time, that is valuable, that you should come back to at some later date, that there should be a fucking archive sure. of all of your spectacular ideas that you just keep on building, mm -hmm. right? Because like, quit it. Just go take one of those mm -hmm. and go do it, right? That said, I do have, so my, my preferred method is I do have a, a little tiny uh, little journal book thing in my back pocket. I don't think it's a moleskin, but it's like a shitty version of moleskin now because I don't care anymore. Yeah, I got, um, one too. I got a knockoff red one, but actually it has survived. I used to get moleskins, but this mm -hmm. thing survives way better than my moleskins. Yeah, so Plus, no moles had to die. Yeah. <laughs> so it's much so, so I, do, I do have that just for when I'm running around. Um, pen in the pocket, always. Yep, always pen in the pocket. Work flowy on my device. So what I kind of pens do you there. use? Doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. This is like the the everyday carry, right? You yep. need a, you need pens. Yep. You need a notebook and a knife. Yep. yep. In case you don't have a pen and a notebook, and you write with blood. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so ready. It's, it's just those, but I do find I do think it's an important point. Uh, the legal pad, the extra size. Oh, it helps. It's great. For some reason, it's really good. Like if you get a big idea, throw it down. Exercise yeah. helps. I actually hate writing in my tiny little. Yep. I feel like it's it's useful for one thing only for me, which is writing a 
quick to do list of yeah. things to kind of burn through. Or like writing the like, oh, shit, of things. I got to remember to get eggs. Right. Eggs. <laughs> there. But that's that only filled up the whole page. Right. <laughs> right. But it's only if you're on your way to get eggs right now, because otherwise it's not where your to do list is supposed to be. Right. right. There should yeah. be some other system for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I use it when I'm like, I'm about to leave. I need to jot down dimensions of things I need to buy. Like right. my space is this big. I need a rug for there mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Or I need to, or I have some ideas and I'm trapped some horrible place without a legal pad. Then I'll, right. you know, make some, make some quick notes. But not yeah. to review. No, yeah. Never to, to review. No. Yeah. It's it's a temporary mechanism. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got, let's do one quick last one, which comes from Mitron. Mitron says. Mm. Mitt Ronnie. When, uh, when not oh, no. feeding from your <laughs> podcast listeners' souls, mm. what's lunch break like at Bscotch HQ? Oh, that's usually sufficient. Do you plow through the <laughs> lunch hour eating sandwiches at your desk? Or is there a Bscotch canteen upstairs for a bite and a chit chat? Uh, it's kind of both. You just do whatever you want. I don't care. Where the fuck they yeah. Want. yeah. So except uh, for Adam, who just eats sweet tarts, <laughs> Smarties, Smarties. Please. <laughs> so sweet tarts are the way lunch works. Sorry. Uh, usually, sometime between eleven and one, if you want, then you get up and go get lunch. <laughs> whatever that means. If you're like, hey, I'm gonna eat lunch in the conference room. If anybody wants to join me by the conference room, I mean the room on the other side of the staircase. Yeah. Uh, or four, four feet away from where you. Yep, previously were. Mm-hmm. I oftentimes will just take mine upstairs because there's a table that's like chest. Well, I, I think the, the the core question to get at here, though, is, is it like working at your desk and continuing to like plow through, you know, like not have a lunch break, but just like, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to work through the entire eight hour day. Uh, is that something we do? Yeah. Not if you want. I do it. Well, the whole point is if you want. If you want, yeah. Well, I I, but I guess it's it's all about taking strategic. For me, it's it's all about strategic time use, right? Yes. So if I'm hungry, I'm going to go eat something, no matter what when that happens, because that's if I don't eat when I'm hungry, then I'm thinking about being hungry, which impacts my ability to do awesome work, right? Yeah, right. The, the idea of a, a time box lunch break, like it's always going to happen at noon, for example. Yeah. I don't have what are yeah what like is this, my like assembly my, line? Yeah, my appetite is <laughs> random. Yeah, it so just does what it does. Sometimes I eat, I've eaten lunch, even my entire lunch by 10, 10 a.m. Sometimes, yeah. And then at noon you're like, "Fuck, I'm hungry." Yeah, then I go to the grocery store, <laughs> get more food, come back, hang out with everybody. You, you got to do you. You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's the rule in the studio is it's not about there's no particular way to do it. It's just figure out what works best for you on any given day. Do that thing. Yeah. Well, and our, and our okay. goals for the studio are basically, how do we make it so that everybody gets to feel like they're, they can make the most effective use of their time um, while also minimizing the chaos that it causes to other people, mm-hmm. right? So so when it comes to things like lunch breaks and that kind of stuff, if people are going to work on something together, then they tend to go take a lunch break together because mm-hmm. then they can continue thinking about ideas and stuff. Um, if someone's just kind of working solo, then they just take a random lunch break whenever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. Don't bug anybody about it unless that person's also t- on a break, right? And so on. Um, I think another good move is, is to eat your lunch on someone else's desk, you know, while <laughs> yeah. they're while they're working. Right. Yeah, that way you can help them get their work done. Mm-hmm. You know, Chomping in their by, ear by slapping noodles against their cheeks. <laughs> well, I think we also I mean people. I think one of the things that happens is you just say, "Hey, I'm gonna go eat lunch." Or I'm going to go for a walk and then people will just volunteer. Yeah. If other people are kind of ready for a yeah. break at that time, you know, then. That then cool. Can I come? You're like, no, no. I need to be by myself. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Well, yeah. Uh, go but, walk somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. space isn't big enough for the two of us. Yeah. So you just. just the, whole, the entire the outdoors. Whole, the whole outdoors. Do whatever you want. But it does require a degree. You have to. You have to. Think about it again. It's the same. It's always the rule around here, which is just why? 
Why? Why are you doing that? Yeah, the Why? assumption here is that you're not trying to escape work. And as long yeah. as you're not trying to escape work, then okay. like, do whatever the fuck you need to do. Yep. You know? Yeah, which is, so we don't have lunch breaks. We also don't have vacation days or sick days. Just do you. Th- do yeah, you. If, if you're sick, mm-hmm. then you're sick. If you need to go on vacation, you do that. If you, if you don't want to be here, then go away. Yeah, what then, are you doing? then yeah. don't be here yeah. ever again. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the rule. That's the rule. Uh, it's very simple, really. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. All right. So that is uh, so all we got for this week. So again, keep an eye out. Uh, hopefully in the next week, we'll have some updates about this YouTube and, and itch.io stuff. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to, I think this weekend I'm going to try to finish off this fucking YouTube automatic robot uploader. Nice. Mm-hmm. So sometime, hopefully in the next week, if not within the next year, something like that. Yeah. Who something knows? Like that. So Soon just, TM. As so our, keep, as your, our, keep your <laughs> corneas peeled and your eyes lasered because it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, good basics. Uh, and also, uh, thank you to Monique for putting our podcast stuff together and Fat Bard for producing, being mm-hmm. a producer. I feel yeah. like Monique might also be a producer in this context. What is it? What are we? She's like a director. Maybe a director. Director? What are we? we know, we're, the, we're the talent. <laughs> Uh, is that the word that oh, yeah. the talent? Oh, god, yeah. it makes me want to vomit. Yeah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> We're the thought leaders. Mm, we're a think tank. We're a think tank. What are the horrible? We're like a dank tank. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll all right, see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.